Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. All right, it is the Everything is Marketing podcast. My name is Eric Hulkerin. It is a Monday afternoon, and today, since you enjoyed it so much last week, we talked a little bit about what you should do with your marketing strategy and coming up with KPIs. This week, we're going to talk a little bit about what your brand should look like in the digital space. So joining me right now, Mel Bloom and Aaron Crocker, and we're going to talk about websites and perhaps the four things, Aaron, that brands aren't paying attention to when they launch this thing. I think a lot of people just go, I've got the, we're here at M Live in Grand Rapids and I'm looking out at cars. Like I've got the parking space on the internet for my name. Job's done, right? Right. So, you know, we're really going to talk about four essentials and I think Mel can speak to this as well is there's a lot to think about with a website, but we want to really hit on the most important things. So uh, the four things that we're looking at, design, content, fresh content to be specific here, conversions, and overall analytics. And so, it, you know, I'm launching a website. I bought the URL. I, whatever, I either did something on WordPress. I went to Squarespace or I hired somebody. What does my brand need to look like online in the physical space and in relation to everything that I've got going on with my product? And most importantly, your brand needs to reflect who you are as a business organization, a company. A lot of people put you know, the raw stuff out there and they forget to put that personality in there. I would imagine that you're just as excited. I mean, you're excited about your brand and you want to make sure that people hit your page are just as excited. And it has to be as, as true as possible. You don't want to just say, we have great customer service and we're open 24-7. That doesn't matter anymore. You want to add some personality to it. You want to show the emotion of why you started that business and, and show it visually on a page where people are going to interact with that. Because if, if you're going to give an elevator speech to somebody who can't hear, you better learn the language. <laughs> so, Mel, give me an example of something that would be emotionally charged that would reflect your brand. Uh, you can look at anything on Instagram. Some of the really good uh, MailChimp is one to follow. They have great imagery that really draws you in. You don't want to just go and spend $40 on a Shutterstock image because people know what a stock photography is anymore. So to be fair, they know what stock photography is because the same eight people in marketing use the same <laughs> eight stock photos. Correct. That's, yes. that's why. Like yes. It's the same photo of a guy at a desk with a cell phone. That's why you shouldn't use stock photos. Yes, and, and you want to reflect the, the people that you want to come shop at your, at your store or the people that are reading your, your website. So if you're a bank and you have uh, a lot of financial information and you want to be very factual, then express that in your website. But if you're going to be something fun and have a little bit of factual stuff, go to MLive minigroup.com you can see how we play with some fun and some uh, factual well and, and you guys spent the better part of a year kind of going through that process which i think is another part aaron that some brands don't understand that this isn't a thing to go back to my analogy a couple minutes ago this isn't like just pulling up to a parking meter and typing in the code in grand rapids parking and being done with the website there's testing that needs to go in, into this and then retesting and then retesting after the testing it's Yes, and it just keeps going. Uh, one thing that I hear a lot, hear about a lot, see a lot, I can even feel when I go to websites is, okay, I got my domain, I have content on there, and I'm done. And they walk away, and they forget that the, their audience needs to be intrigued at all times. And, you know, there's, their business is growing and it's evolving, and if you're not, if you're not following that evolution 
then you're definitely missing out on a large amount of your audience. A research study that I ran across from Carleton University is that your brand, when it's found online, you have 50 milliseconds to make the first impression. And just to put that in perspective, the human eye blinks at 400 milliseconds. You've got a split second. Right. And even a split second isn't the proper explanation of this. This is something that's done. And I remember I was on a call with the uh, social and marketing team from uh, Walgreens. And they had launched an app and tried to figure out what their customer was doing with it. You know, they had moved from... You guys talk about responsive design. They had made the decision to have an, an off, their own one-off app. And what they had found is that if your anything, your app, your website, your page, your whatever, your video takes more than one second to load, mm -hmm. the user base plummets by 78% in a second. And if you think about your normal life, if you sit as you're listening to this podcast, this podcast is five minutes and 20 odd seconds at this point, a second. The time it takes for you to figure out how to form a sentence, you have decided that, that brand is done and you're going to move on to something else. Yeah, I mean, I always think about it. I, I couldn't tell you how many times I go on Google and I search and I'm trying to find something that I don't really know where it is and, and what it looks like, but I know what I want the answer to be. So I hit my first Google search query and I instantly am like, nope, this is not it. And I bounce right off. And that's the thing we're trying to say. Make sure the story is there. Make sure the brand is there because I'm going to bounce off very fast if it's not there. Well, and I would also say as we get into content, guys, that the other thing that you need to understand when you're developing this website that's different, Mel, than let's say a decade ago is we're, the days of people consuming 22, 23, 24 pages of your website are gone, mm -hmm. right? Unless you trick them into a photo gallery, they're <laughs> gone, right? They're completely gone. They're coming there, they're getting the piece of content, whatever you were looking for on Google, Aaron, and then you're bouncing to go on to your next thing. So if you're not updating that content, you're dead in the water. Yeah. There's, there's a whole strategy that comes in with the content. It's not just, this is my, this is about the company, this is what we do, here's our products and services. Ugh. It's it's what people... And I'd actually like it if you just stopped, if, <laughs> as a public service announcement to anyone who listens to this, if you just stopped doing that, that would be awesome. We get it. We, yeah. We're assuming you're in business. <laughs> we're assuming you're in business for good. Like, And we're assuming everyone you hired is on the up and up. Yes. So let's move on. That does not need to be in a bio. But I, I deal with a lot of real estate people, and they're always, here are the houses. Let's do a search on there. It's not that. It's, it's teaching people why they need to know about certain things in real estate. A lot of people are getting into this for the first time, and that's where you start to build a following. And people going to the website and going through 20 different pages which is not a thing anymore, you want them to come there for that one piece of content. And the way you develop your strategy on your website and content strategy is by developing these little conversions to help flow them through the rest of your website. So that way they're digesting one piece of content, which then flows into the next, and then you, they're staying on your website the entire time, not going back to Bing, to Google, Google, and then <laughs> To Facebook, search. to yes. Twitter, right. And Aaron, this flows into your, your explanation of micro and macro conversion. So can you talk through that process and what I would be looking for on my website and how I would develop those? Yeah, so macro conversions are really, a lot of the time they're linked to a ROI. What is your return on your investment? What are, what are your main goals going to be for your, whether it be your company or just your website, maybe they're a little bit different, but in the end, they're a lot of time connected to revenue. Um, and your micro goals are, are things that get them closer to the macro. So it shows intent, it shows strong intent, but it's not necessarily your number one goal that you're looking for. So for instance, I give Apple as an example and it's great. If you go to their website, 
you see right when you hit there and you go to a MacBook and you're looking at it, the only thing really in a strong color is the button buy. That is their macro conversion. That is the ultimate thing that they want you to do. And beside that, um, they really point out for their micro conversions, maybe um, you're looking at specs and you're looking at what the tech looks like and a couple other things of that nature. And those get you closer to the purchase, the macro goal, but they're not the most important. And, and it's important to lay those out for your user to flow through your site. Is there a number, and I'm putting you on the spot a little bit for this, but is there a specific number of micro conversions to macro conversions, or is it just kind of in the secret sauce? I mean, when you use Apple, they they live in this world of, uh, you know, the concept of parsimony, right? Like in science, it's the idea of Occam's razor, that the most simple answer is the one that you want to get to. Like you don't need to fluff it up. You don't need to make it more complicated. What, it, what is the simplest way to explain this concept? And that's what we want to do. So when you go to Apple, you will see it's tech specs is the micro conversion. And then buy this thing is the macro. Is there a science to the rest of the world that isn't run by Steve Jobs? <laughs> no, I, I don't believe that there's a magic number for how many macro and micro conversions you need. So, it, but it wouldn't, so I guess the, the question behind the question is it wouldn't be like a form fill, you know, it, your area of expertise is people who want to do 77 forms on their email and don't understand why nobody signs up for it. Right. Yeah. There's a, a plummeting diminishing return on investment after three. Is there, is there any science behind that for micro to macros? Yeah, I think there can be. Um, I think that you can look at everything that way. For instance, in, in that, something I try to focus on when I'm you know, looking at a lead gen B2B campaign and they're hitting a landing page maybe from a display campaign is I want to think what is the one thing in the end that I want the user to do? And that should be the most prominent. So yeah, you might want them to read your content and you might want them to you know, visit into your site for you know, a couple other related subjects. But in the end, like if I want you to fill out a form so that we can help grow your business, that is the thing. That is the macro conversion and there shouldn't be any confusion outside of it. And I think Apple does a great job, like you said, simplicity. Ask the person to do the one thing that you want them to do and they will do it. Well, in the, in the paper that you wrote, you had this really great example with the Sims. And Sims have been around since I've been in high school. So they've been around for yeah. a while. They've had plenty of time to test these things. But I thought this example was really interesting in that you show two examples. One was their homepage from about a year ago that had, and lots of brands do this, so I'm not picking on brands, but lots of brands go, well, I want to give you all the information I, po I you know, I was told the content is the key. I want to give you all of the information that you pop. So they give it to you all at the same time. And in this image, which we'll put up on the MLive Media Group uh, at some point, I think in March yeah. is when this is going to go live. Um, you'll see what I'm talking about. So there's all of these things for you to do, but you can't actually find the thing that they want you to do, which is register for the site. So then they do A-B testing and they come up with this really pretty, it's got a menu item on the left, but then just an image that says register. And the increase was what? 128% uh, game registrations. It's amazing. Right. And so when you talk about ROIs, we're talking about what's the lifetime cost of a customer. So they know if they can increase 128% by just moving a button to be bigger and prettier. That's a, word free. And, yeah, and, yeah. And word free. And, you know, what did that... What did that gain them? You know, in an era, in a, an era where signups for free with in-app purchase games or the Sims that are desktop and tablet and that sort of thing, they're buying stuff in the ecosystem to make the game more fun or more customizable yep. or whatever, but you need them to get past that first point 
to get them in the ecosystem. Correct. You don't want to give information to those who aren't interested. So get them into the ecosystem because they're actually registering and they're making the move. Pull them in and then talk to them about all these additional things because you know that they're more engaged. It's not about the number of likes that you have or the number of followers that you have. It's about the engagement that you get in the end that's going to make the difference for the business. And so one of the things that's so great, and I'm sure Mel can attest to this, is make sure you are A-B testing. Make sure that you are understanding what is happening on your site. We all talk about the evolution of digital and websites and mobile and all these things, but you don't know how your audience reacts until you test it. So Mel, when you're doing an A-B test, what are you looking at from a design perspective to essentially, if, if you have a guesstimate that A is broken, you know, what, what are you looking at that will show you that perhaps B is the better option? Well, I caution with A-B testing. You want to make sure that if you're going to be doing an A-B test, that you have both of them running at the same time. So that way you can see which one is going to be performing Right. Better. So you're not saying don't do A, then stop doing A, then do B, and then compare the analytics. Correct. Right. You, want, you want to give them apples to apples, throw as many impressions at each one equally. So that way when you're doing that, you can really see what, what the changes are. Or to go old school, you want to test Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi at the same time. Yes. In, in the same can. <laughs> in the same can, yes. Yes. So, little <laughs> which thing. half of the can do you like the best? <laughs> the front half was great, but the last half was too sweet. Sorry, go ahead. So, some of the things could be simple: just color, uh, rounded corners versus pointed corners. Some of those are going to be hard sell versus a soft sell. Uh, obviously, colors. If you look at the sim detail, um, there's going to be uh, simple, like Aaron was speaking to. You have simple register for free, uh, and the other one had a lot of information. You want to play with. Uh, left align versus right align. There are a whole bunch of different options that, options that you can play with, but in the end, you want to do one thing at a time, see which one performs, and then take the higher performing one, and then do that next thing. So you're going to be doing multiple A/B testing throughout the course of the campaign. And so you're saying essentially do one variable at a time, Correct. right? You take want- the square button, make it a round button, then stop. Yes. Then make it blue, make it green, then stop. Correct. And then Got you it. can always go back to that one. But if you do all these at once, and yeah, that one performs have, better, you have no idea. What do you do? And I think another point to, Mel, what you're saying is there's so much that you can do. And it is overwhelming, right? You want to test all these different things, but ultimately you can only test one thing. Rounded versus square. Red versus green. So the biggest thing about testing is to figure out what your number one goal is and, and just choose what to test because you have a goal in mind. Because you could aimlessly pick anything. You know, there's a billion things that we can test. Right, but I would imagine, though, Mel, when you look at this, you kind of know where you want to start with the test. You're not aimlessly picking square versus round, right? You kind of have a sense, and and this leads me into a different question, uh, you kind of have the sense that we have been and continue to be leaning towards simpler design and easier understanding because they're not doing 24 pages. They're doing a page or a action. Yeah, so if you're going into the flat design, which tends to be the, the trend in 2015 and 2016, there are some subtle elements that are, are making these pop more forward. So uh, flat design is flat design. But if you add a slight uh, drop shadow in the background, that's obviously going to pull forward a little bit. And you want to be intentional with each one of these, these A-B tests that, that's happening. You don't just want to do all of them at once. You want to make sure, okay, this is right around the call to action. Or in a visual hierarchy, it's directing you in an arrow to the call to action. So that way, subconsciously, they're making their own decision. <laughs> what you're meaning to say is subconsciously, you're making the decision for them. 
I didn't say that, but <laughs> the user can you come might be up with their own plan. There. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we, we've been at this for a minute, so I want to quickly wrap up so could, people can get on with their day, and we'll be back uh, and do a couple more of these because I think this is super important. But Aaron, talk about analytics. This is your sweet spot. This is the thing that while Mel is doing the A-B testing of the buttons, you're the one rounding up the data at the end of it to go, hey, Mel, this variable is kick-ass. This other variable, man, eh, not so much. You know, the red button, awesome. Green, they don't care for it. Right. So that's analytics is, is my baby. I love it. It tells me the black and white answer. And if you don't have analytics on your site, that is the first problem, obviously. Um, but get it because it can tell you a, a world of stories. It can tell you where is your audience come from? How much audience do you have? How much returning audience do you have? It can even track down to your campaigns, which is awesome. Um, and those are the things that you need to know to do the A-B testing to help with the brand, to to know that your content, the content that you're building and keeping fresh is the thing that they're interested in. And then behaviorally, like you spoke in the paper, where those things drop off, the exit pages on that content. If they're dropping off on one piece of content, don't write that again. Write right. something else that's going to lead them in somewhere else. Well, and, and that's to that point, Mel, which is great. Um, you know, you rewrite content from a B2B standpoint, you know, to grow business and to educate businesses, whatever that may be. Um, analytics gives you the ability to watch how your users flow. And if you're writing stuff and they're not hitting a conversion point until five or six steps, which is actually a lot, into the site instead of one or two, there might be something that you need to think about here. Because in the end, you want to give them the content that also it helps them and it helps the business. So, I mean, analytics can do a world for you. And there's, there's so much. I mean, you can track your campaigns um, with UTM codes. So what that does is it says, where did they come from? Where did they, like what medium did, so you can compare email, display, you know, social media, and you can see where the most engaged audience is coming from. And that's can help you determine where your marketing dollars are going to go. And that's so important because, you know, there's so much to do in marketing and you can't do everything, but you need to do what makes the business change. Um, and that's what analytics does. You dive in and you tell a story and it becomes a rabbit hole at times, but it's exciting and it, it's black and white. Awesome. And so those are just some of the things that we can be working on in 2016. Uh, the paper will be out soon at the MLivemediagroup.com. Aaron, Mel, thanks for the time today. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks.